Welcome to the Pop My Culture Podcast. I'm Cole Stratton. And I'm Vanessa Raglan. Hey, Vanessa Raglan. Hi, Cole. How are you? I'm pretty great. How are you? I'm pretty good. Oh, good. Yeah. It's a nice day. It is a very nice day. Guys, lots of exciting things happening. Oh, my gosh. Um, we're going to start news. with this. Uh, we have a sponsor this episode. Do, do, do. Yep, that's right. Warby Parker is back. They are back, and they're glassier than ever. That's right. Uh, Warby Parker, if you guys aren't aware of them, and you should be because they're pretty freaking awesome, guys. Uh, it's the new way to get boutique-quality, classically-crafted eyewear at like a revolutionary price point. They're super inexpensive. They're like around $100 a pair. Um, that comes with like the lenses and everything, too. They vary. Uh, they also have sunglasses in addition and to prescription glasses. And they're attractive and stylish frames. Yep. They, like, really look good on people. <laughs> Thanks. I have a couple <laughs> pairs now. Uh, they have this home try-on program, which is pretty amazing. So you basically you go, you pick out five frames that you're interested in. Uh, you just go to warbyparker.com, and then they send them to your door. You get them, you try them on, you <sighs> have them for a couple days, you send them back, and uh, then you just buy what you want or nothing at all if there's nothing that really appeals to you. Um, but awesome they're awesome they look great and if you only have one pair of glasses like i did for a long long time it's nice to have some options and some new stuff and it really, really mix up your face look it really actually really really does so uh bottom line is you can support the show by ordering some glasses on there just go to warbyparker.com if you use the promo code pop that's p-o-p Whee! during the checkout you'll receive a free expedited three-day air shipping mm-hmm. that's right so you get them faster you guys and you'll look better faster that's right so it's warbyparker.com Promo code POP. Check them out, you guys. Warby Parker, thank you so much for sponsoring the podcast. Yes, we appreciate it. That's right. Uh, this is uh, coming out the day before our appearance at the LA Podcast Festival, yep. the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. LAPodcast.com is their website. Uh, we're really excited. A lot of, has changed in the last week with the show. A lot has changed. It's a, it's a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the show, our show, well, the whole thing goes this Friday through Sunday, which is October 4th through the 6th. Uh, there's a whole bunch of amazing shows taking place. WTF, Never Not Funny, Doug Loves Movies, Welcome to crazy yeah lots of stuff we're honored to be part of it uh we are doing a show on saturday that's october 5th at six o'clock p.m i'm so excited uh, we used to be in the espada room which is a good room it's 120 yeah. seats or whatever they moved us to the big room Whew. the square space bar room it's over 400 capacity <laughs> um, so uh, we're excited Ooh. and a little intimidated yeah. um so but they did it not for us but for our amazing panel that's right <laughs> it's not about us we're doing stars of tgif if you're like us you grew up on all those shows and this is very exciting it's we have so an amazing lineup um we actually added a member as well so yep. we have reginald Bill johnson from family Member I am matters like beyond i'm i don't know how i'm gonna talk around him I'm i know so excited. also die hard come yeah. on this guy's amazing every movie that you love he plays a cop in <laughs> he pretty much pretty much so reginald Bill johnson's doing it which is fantastic jody sweeten's returning to the podcast oh, the beautiful jody yep, from full house she as you know if you've listened to that episode she's a lot of fun yeah so she's also great. met the elson twins 
that's right, to have her on the show. <laughs> uh, Stuart Pankin is coming on. Earl Sinclair, you guys. From Dinosaurs. He's also on Not Necessarily the News on HBO. Yeah. Um, really excited to have him on. And uh, we just added Bryce Beckham. Bryce has been on the show before. We it's love it. It's been a long time. A long time, yeah. He played Wesley at Mr. Belvedere. So we've got a representative from four different uh, amazing shows from that TGI lineup. And, and they're all sort of from different eras of the TGIF, yep. too, which is cool. Yep, Belvedere was from the very first year, and um, the dinosaurs towards the end of it, and Other everybody else in between. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're really excited to have them on. We'll be talking about all those great shows and what yeah. they're up to now, and of course, doing our usual brand of goofiness. So uh, hopefully you guys can come check it out. Yes. There are uh, full day, well, single day passes, so you can just buy a pass for Saturday, or you can buy a full weekend pass. Uh, and there's so many good shows there, honestly. Yeah. It's going to be a really fun weekend. They don't do individual ticket sales. You can't just come see us, but uh, there's so much great stuff. And there's also lounges and stuff where the uh, we'll all be hanging out and stuff like that, so we'll be meeting people so come say hi please yeah we'd love to have you guys so hopefully you can make it lapodfest.com check it out and if, check us out that's right <laughs> if you like the show uh review us on itunes yes you uh, can just give us five stars and say they did a great job yeah <laughs> you do that you can also email us Info at popmyculturepodcast.com. Yep, we'll read them all. We'll respond to you. We get some really nice, sweet notes, too. We've gotten some really sweet emails lately. Yeah, we really appreciate them, guys. So it's really great hearing from you. Uh, Also, we are primarily listener-supported. We have a straight sponsor here and there. But your donations help us to put this show on, which we really, really thank you for. We do. And this week, we have a simple message. um, And it's for one person in particular. And we actually brought someone in to to say it. Yeah, really excited. because this kid should be in Child Protective Services. But Beef Aroni is here. Hi. Hey, Beef. Wow. Beef. Uh, is we, there any food here? There's some food. Okay. We could cook you some. What do you, what do you like? You don't have to cook it. Okay. I don't mind if it's cold. Great. Um, well, I've got a, uh, an open can of kidney beans, if that's okay. Oh, that's... Oh, good. Mm-hmm. All right, great. So, uh, uh, it's beef, as you know, if somebody mm-hmm. donates to our podcast, uh, we give them a shout out. You. Yeah, we mm-hmm. give them a shout out on the on the air. So we uh-huh. have a very special one for you this week, okay. uh, right here. Oh, hey, Dingo Brain, did I do that right? That's what they asked us to have you say. That's hey, a- Dingo Brain. What? Is it an angry Dingo Brain or a happy Dingo Brain? I don't know. Maybe maybe let's do it wistful. Hey, Dingo Brain. That's good. That's good. Really angry? Hey, dingo brain! And let's do it confused. Hey, dingo brain? And like, really like your best pals. Hey, dingo brain! I think we've covered it. Okay, great. Bye. So thank you, dingo brain. I take the can of beans. Yep, you can take them with you, beef. See you, beefaroni. Bye bye. She's back. She sure is. Thanks, beefaroni. Better than ever. Thanks for that donation. We appreciate it. We really do. Uh, hey, Dingo Brain. That's right. Luke loves you. <laughs> I don't think I'm supposed to say that, but it's true. Okay. There you go. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for everything you do for our show. We really yes. appreciate it. And speaking of our show, uh, really fun guest today. Very knowledgeable guy. That was a good funny. segue into our show. That's right. <laughs> Chris Gore, who uh, we'll introduce in a second. He uh, he wrote a book. It's a, it's a parody of that book, Everyone Poops or Everybody Poops. Uh, it's called Celebrities, Celebrities Poop. Poop. It's, it's awesome. very funny. It also comes with a download code for his stand-up special, which is yep. great. Uh, he uh, signed a copy for us. So if you'd like to win that, uh, you leave your answer to the first question. On our website, popmyculturepodcast.com. Right. We'll, we'll pick somebody from that yeah. to win that great prize. And the illustrations are awesome. His daughter is a painter, and she did them, and they are hilarious. They're really funny. 
So, yeah, without further ado. Wow. Our guest today, a very funny man, a stand up, a recent stand up comedian, but uh, also a podcaster with Pod Crash. And uh, you know him from Attack of the Four, Attack of the Four, Attack of the Show on G4. <laughs> that sounds like a bad <laughs> Attack of the Four on G Show. <laughs> Chris Gore is here, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me, Cole. Hi. Thanks for being here. And Vanessa, how are you doing? You're welcome. Cool. <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. You're also an aficionado of many things. I am definitely a geek of many shades. I think as everyone's <laughs> sitting at this table, we're, we're I agree. yeah, I agree. yeah, you know. Um, I think we all have our, our, our things that we fet- fet- fetishes for music, you know, film, video games, pop culture, everything. It's just delicious to consume. Yeah, we're we're media junkies, right? Yeah. Right, big yeah. time. Speaking of. Yeah. This is our first podcast. Oh, right. Okay. Since Breaking Bad ended. So we yeah. have to discuss this, but for you guys listening uh, who don't want this spoiled because you're behind or you're on episode two of season one or whatever. First of all, shame on you. Second of all, it's okay. Right. So what we're going to do is we will drop in a time code right here. 2323. Where you can pick the podcast back up so you will have avoided all the spoilers. spoilers. There you go. So go to that point. And uh, you will have not had anything spoiled for you. All right, so Breaking Bad, it is done oh. finally, um, and it was uh, I thought pretty satisfying. So satisfying. Agreed. So satisfying. One of the, probably one of the most satisfying series finales in recent memory. Certainly yeah. better yep. than Lost. Oh yeah. Um, oh, well, yeah. There were surprises, and there were things that you expected to happen based on how the show began. Yep. Um, I love the book ending of uh, Breakfast was a part of the first episode, where he had the bacon that tasted like it tasted like band aids, right? Uh, which is what Walt <laughs> Jr. called it. Um, one day, I love him. I love his character, <laughs> Flynn. Flynn lives. Interestingly, you could wear a Flynn lives T-shirt from Tron, and right. it might have a double meaning. There. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. There you go. A double meaning. Very I'm gonna. True. I'm going to dig out my Flynn Lives t-shirt. That's well, you should. You so, mingle in different crowds? <laughs> you could. It's, um, but what's cool is it bookended the very first episode of the show, which is really about emasculation. It's about, you know, emasculated Walt, Walter White is this high school teacher who just his life is ending. He's, he could see the future in front of his eyes. He's going to die of cancer. And he just says, fuck it. He just wait, I can say that, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's interesting because he, he had the, you know, the, it was his 50th birthday in the first episode, so we've, we know precisely that it's been a two-year span of time. Right. 52 in this. And we knew it had to end with him, spoiler, dying. Yeah. So I, I just think it was a fitting end. And it's interesting because it comes on the heels of probably one of the most dissatisfying series finales in history. to Dexter, which yep. feels as if the... The showrunner for that series at the end just said, fuck it, get me a Mad Libs. <laughs> when Hannah and Harrison go to Argentina, and then Dexter takes the boat into a Sharknado, and then puts Deb into the ocean, and ends up becoming a lumberjack. I feel we let like- our kids choose that one. What exactly? Like, what is that? I feel like it's like becomes a lumberjack will replace jump the shark. It should. Awful and jump the shark. Yep. And I know we didn't preface that we was spoiled the Dexter finale, but <laughs> but, but the thing is, is like, yeah, that's the thing. It's not like we spoiled something that you're going to be 
happy with. Oh my well, god! It was well. Usually, series finales are split. Like Lost, I believe, was split. Maybe like sixty forty. You know, sixty percent dissatisfied, forty percent saying that was a fitting ending because it was about character and whatnot. And then same thing with Sopranos, split, which I thought was a brilliant way to end that show, just on that. You know, cut to black, which was what, which is what would happen to you if you were whacked. Yep. Um, so, but Dexter was so those were like kind of split, like sat, between satisfaction and dissatisfaction. Breaking Bad across the board, I think people were people satisfied, satisfied, including everyone at this table. Oh, I'd say God, it's like ninety five five. Okay, and, and the, those yeah. five and the people, people you do not—they're nitpicking. You don't want to hang well, out with them. A lot yeah. of them thought it wrapped up too neatly. Um, which is like fine, and then some people were like getting obsessed about weird things, like how did he get the rice into the stevia pack? Aren't those things sealed? But I was like, the guy is a chemist. I'm yeah, sure right. he could figure out a way Just, to get you know, some stevia into a packet. Though, like, don't you, did you ever do that as a kid? Like, you would sneak salt into the sugar packet and leave it on the diner table. Like, you do a little. I mean, it ruins someone's uh, coffee. But you can hilarious. buy that from the Johnson Smith Company in their pranks. Uh, that was a catalog I obsessed over as a kid because it was always filled with like pranks, like snapping gum, ow, you know, garlic gum, just like stupid gags. Green gum, that's yeah, your mouth green, and all that yeah. Stuff, yeah. or black soap that made your hands dirty. Right. Except the soap was actually black, so it was it didn't make any sense. Right. It didn't really zing yeah. you like stupid, stupid pranks. And a lot of people also thought that it just there wasn't that surprising the stuff that happened. But I was like, that's fine because I thought the surprising episode and the, the the episode that was the best episode is Osmandias, like two episodes ago, yeah. which was like everything shocking and crazy yeah. happened then, and the last two episodes were the fallout from that stuff. That everything you know what happened because of that kind of stuff getting right. wrapped up, wrapping it up, right? And also. So- Shocking is what the show does. I mean, the journey it takes a character on. Like it, I felt so weird after the finale ended because it was the first Breaking Bad episode in at least a year that it didn't end with me like crushing my own temples, going "What the fuck?" It just ended, and I was like, "Huh." There it is. And I am so thankful that they didn't, like, try to stick true to the tone of, like, we have to end it with this crazy Breaking Bad edge. No, they're to- telling a story properly. Yeah. And I thought that was such a relief as a viewer. And they, and they also ended it, I think, in the right way. Like, it's five seasons. I feel like some of the reason that Lost and um, Dexter were dissatisfying is because they went on longer than they should have. I feel like the yeah. season in Dexter where, you know, John, where John Lithgow was on and, and Rita died at the end, there should have been one more season to wrap it up. And yeah. I love, I don't know if you read this, um, that the, one of the original, the showrunner who was around during the Rita season said what he wanted the original ending of Dexter to be series finale. Would you like to hear? Sure. Yes. Would you like to know more? Click here. Um, <laughs> Starship Troopers reference. Uh, so I assume that anyone listening to this podcast should know these pop culture references. <laughs> they know. Um, the original series ending, the way he wanted it, saw it ending was it would, it would be Dexter in an electric chair. He would be looking out at a gallery um, of people behind glass and it would be every person that he killed. It'd be John Lithgow, the ice truck killer, the, you know, all the, all the different, you know, in the random murders that happened, dokes would be there. Everyone, La Guerta, everyone that he was responsible for their deaths would be watching him as they, 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 you know, hit the trigger and he was electrocuted. And you would have realized it would have been, the context would have been that everything we have seen in Dexter were his life flashing before his eyes, uh, before his death. Oh man. 
way cooler ending than Ooh. he's a lumberjack and it's okay. He's uh, it was awful. So, so uh, yeah, I feel like there's something, and I think Vince Gilligan said it. I've read many interviews with him, and he said, you know, we ultimately we're serving the audience. We want a satisfying yeah. ending. And the other thing to point out about Breaking Bad, which is which is a big part of the show and was a big part of the finale, is the sense of humor. Mm-hmm. There's such a great sense of humor, like when Todd's phone rings and it's like Lydia, yeah. oh, Lydia, yeah. <laughs> which I think is from a Marx Brothers movie. The that song. Um, uh, you know, little things like that that are funny, or like the guy that's dead on the on, on the, the chair, on the chair massaging him, yeah. still undulating uh. him and massaging him after he's sitting there bloodied and dead, or when Uncle Jack like give me a second here and he like puts a cigarette <laughs> in his mouth and then boom, I mean just like it's Breaking Bad is funny. Yeah. It's funny because also it takes, and this has been a thread throughout the series. It takes the most mundane acts and adds. Crazy suspense. I've never been more on the edge of my seat watching a 50-year-old man clean gasoline out of a carpet. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and that was a couple episodes yeah. ago. It's just yeah. weird. Like just the weird trying how to the, kill a fly. Right. Like Monday. Yeah, that whole yeah. episode, that, the bottle episode. But like so many the a, a, mundane acts become high-stake acts. And that is funny. And it also is a lot like life. Yeah. You know? Uh, am I going to get the Zanku chicken home in time for my girlfriend? I don't know. <laughs> Tune in next week to my right. series that no one gives a shit about. But you know what I'm saying. Plus, they put a pizza on the roof. <laughs> what? Right. That, oh, boy. Just, oh, I love seeing the behind the scenes about that, how they just did. It, just, it was like a random thing, and it, it happened. And so it's in the show. It's so well, great. Well, watching the um, – did you guys watch it afterwards? The Talking Bad. Yeah. Uh, talking Bad. Um, talking Bad. Yeah. Talking Bad. He, they asked, like, so what was the significance of the watch? Like, laying the watch on top of the payphone? Oh, that's a good, yeah, and, what is um, it? And Vince Gilligan laughs. He's like, well, there's an artsy-fartsy answer, and there's another answer. And it was like, the artsy-fartsy reason is, like, he takes it off in the moment, realizing that's not his life anymore. He doesn't owe these people anything. That's over. Like, all of that is over. The real reason is we were watching the footage that we shot of him at the diner, and he wasn't wearing it. It's for continuity. <laughs> So you just did an insert shot. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so cool! But you can get the most epic inter- like insert yes. shot ever. It's so beautifully shot, and you think, "Oh my god, what's happening?" And it's one of those things, you know. So much of television, especially procedurals, you don't need to watch the television. You can yeah. listen to a procedural, and you get the gist of everything. Yep. You know, especially network TV, everything is spoon fed to you. I I just watched uh, the Blacklist and uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield, and I feel like. I know they're just sort of a, a a way that all of those network shows are produced. So it's like we need to appeal to the lowest calm down and it needs to be very, very explicitly explained. So we're leading the audience along. And even the way that the sound mix seems so cliched. Here's the action scene. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Here's the scene where um, let's throw in an ironic song. Oh, Ooh, ironic <laughs> song. That happens so often. Uh, but um, Breaking Bad... I mean, so much of the show is, you know, done in silence. Yeah. The, 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 the scene where Walt is just trying to, you know, start the car and then finds the keys and then 
hits the thing and the snow comes off. Which, having grown up in Detroit, Michigan, I, that's not, that happens. It you can, does. You can actually do that. It's not a big deal. I'm from East Lansing, so I know. Uh, I know oh, the deal. Wow, you're you're a member of the Michigan Mafia. I'm a, yeah, I am. <laughs> wow, card carrying member. I, that's I, right. I love, love Michigan. We could talk Cedar Point. That's right, Cedar Point. Good yeah. times. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, the other thing is 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 Breaking Bad is always so good at already giving you the end game. And the first episode of the season, or whatever, this it's gonna you're gonna get here. He's gonna he's gonna be opening up his trunk, and there's gonna be assault weapons. He's gonna go home, and his home is he's been found out. Yeah. So there's no doubt that like he's gonna get discovered. He's gonna have a standoff, like whatever, like that kind of stuff. They already tell you, so you can't be dissatisfied with the ending ending because you've already been told it. And then it's just them filling in like the spaces in between that stuff in a pretty brilliant way. And I love Hi Carol. Oh Hi, yeah, Carol. like so, like neighborly in the context. I mean, that's another one of those comedic moments that are just like, which happen in life. I mean, you know, it's just bizarre. You know, I'm sure we've all had experiences where there's the most serious of circumstances or stakes, and then some crazy, stupid thing happens, and you're like, whatever. That's so I, still going on. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I love that Vince Gilligan captures those subtle life moments. You know, like. Doing a podcast and there are gardeners. weed whacking, yep. weed whacking always. happening. Their Never schedule know. is just so off, but it seems to always happen when we plug our it's equipment. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, oh, we got to get out there. That's a Murphy's law. If you're doing a podcast, gardeners will appear. They so, will be there for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, it was very, it was very satisfying, and um, it's just nice to see a show get it pretty much right. You know, yes, like you can argue whether stop. they got like little minutia here and there, but like they really did stick the landing, which I think is amazing. And we didn't talk about uh, Aaron Paul. You know, uh, Jesse oh. Pinkman was such a popular character. But he, he, ha- having him, first of all, barely any lines in the show. That's sort of lovingly making this sort of this this memory of just like him trying to go to his happy place in his head of making like this little wooden box, and 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 then he's chained up, freaking. I mean, it just and, and it's just brutalized. You can see how he's just been abused by those guys to make them, and that release as he's driving away, the uh, like it's sort of like oh. it's a, it's, I, it's just amazing. I mean, well, I got choked up. Was, giving uh, him the gift of killing Todd, yes, like yeah. in the yes. mo- that death was just it felt so good to yes. watch. You like that little dead eye freak is about to <sighs> get it, and then it felt it's like the only murder you could give Jesse that you're not like, oh no, Jesse's gonna have to bear like carry this his whole life. Instead, it's the murder that you're like, fuck yeah, Jesse. yeah, exactly. I love that. Like, they, they they refer to that guy sometimes as Meth Damon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, love, heard that. I love that even at that point he still goes over to the window he's like Uncle Todd like wow <laughs> you know like uh, Frank like he still has like this gee whiz like, yeah. thing in his face as opposed to like he still doesn't quite realize what's happening right killed which was pretty creepiest worst and you know that the the Nazis were all gonna get it because like everybody hated them like they're like the the one like villains they've had on the show that had like really no redeeming qualities yeah. like right. whereas like Gus Fring really did like the, you couldn't like in that season you're like who should I root for am I rooting right. for you know Walter White whose ego is getting out of control um, and then you see Gus's whole backstory and you're like oh shit he's not a, a bad guy he's, right. you know he's similar to Walter White in a lot of ways like you know but if the Nazis weren't like characters about I I mean, their characters don't have much variation, and then also they're Nazis. So we're right. like all very okay with yep. that machine gun just spewing into there. And, and what we have to look forward to, of course, is the spinoff series. It's all good. Oh and my another, gosh! That's the spinoff series with Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, I think Better Call Saul. Better Call yeah. Saul, which will be a prequel series. And if they if they decide, I'm sure they could do a show called Pinkman. 
which would be <laughs> the adventures of Jesse. P- I mean, a lot of people were like, well, what happens to Jesse? It's like he, 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 he got what he needed as that character. Everything, everything was really tied up perfectly. Yeah. It was so great. Well, there's also that funny guy sketch, Huel's Rules. Have you seen that? No. So Lavelle Crawford, who plays Huel, you know, the, he was, he went to that safe house and yeah. like, stay here and you never, like, you never see him again. So you never know if he ever leaves the safe house or if he's just there, like, freaking <laughs> out. So it's like this TBS style, like, sitcom of, like, Huel's Rules. And he and his family are, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's inside awesome. this safe house and they can't go anywhere and it's, it's really great. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Good show, guys. Yay! Did it. Concludes with something great to something terrible. Yeah. Here's oh. a guy that we can't not talk about. We want to not talk about him. But we'll, I think we want to talk about him I a little guess. because he keeps ending up. He keeps up on doing the such weird things. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the bizarre factor. And that's Justin Bieber, who this time, when he was in China, went to visit the Great Wall of China, and instead of walking up it himself, he had his bodyguards <laughs> carry him up. Like some sort of prima donna Cleopatra <laughs> up the Great Wall of China. And there are Twitter photos circulating of him being carried up the Great Wall of China by his bodyguards. Yet again, Justin Bieber does something you can't write. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I feel like the bodyguards should have shot him. I think they just should have at that point just like, oops, and dropped. I, I don't know. As someone who's a... I, who proudly it tries to ignore certain aspects of our pop culture and, uh, and Justin Bieber being among them. Um, I, you know, I, I, I just, I just marvel at just the stupidity. The other thing was when he had suggested, which ended up, I guess it's going to be some funnier die sketch, uh, uh, video, um, that he would play Robin in the new Batman. Oh Superman. yeah. Uh, Robin to Ben Affleck's Batman. Um, or Batfleck is the hashtag has, has gone around right. the internet. Um, it, 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 he suggested like he sort of showed some picture he, of a fake a, script, yeah. Batman versus Superman, and that like hashtag Robin, hashtag Robin, yeah. exactly like yeah. like that he might be Robin, which in in the not so crazy world of studio casting sounds like it could it's almost be real. So yeah, the, the the Great Wall of China thing just doesn't surprise me. It, it's also something I try to I try to filter my pop culture uh, consumption to the things that I like and ignore the things like Justin Bieber. Right. But what about the Great Wall? Hard work. Like if it involves the Great Wall and you like the Great Wall, and then Justin Bieber just happens to be there, you kind of have to consume it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Is, is it a long walk up those stairs? Could he not have done it himself? I know. I that's, get it. that's my thing. Like, can you just walk up the Great Wall of China, you little prick? Like, do you have to make a spectacle out of everything you do? Oh, my God. Oh. That's just horrific. What was he? Oh, what, it's he, a much it looks fancier like, hoist than I'd imagine. He's literally his between head, the two bodyguards <laughs> on his shoulders. But his head down, it looks, his head's down, it looks like he's tweeting. Yeah, it looks probably. like he's tweeting as I'm he's sure doing he this. is. Oh, my God. So, I don't know. But, I mean, you can imagine because as happens with all pop culture figures, uh, uh, musicians, whatever, someone who, who experiences a huge jolt of fame to the top immediately. There is always the fall. There is always the lack of interest. The career is on the wane. Nothing that and, and, and like that and that I, I that sort of experience, um, I, I think I think is going to be horribly damaging when he won't be able to afford the bodyguards to go up next time. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. At some point, it's going to cease. Well, to be that cute picture no just feels like a horrible omen. Like. There's a lot of layers to read into that. Like the people are putting him on their shoulders and carrying up the Great Wall. Like 
A fall is very imminent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he like, could have pulled a Humpty Dumpty, <laughs> and then we just wouldn't have had to put him back together again. I mean, the, the story is there. the story is more often than not any child star that like yeah. experiences huge fame and money at a early part of their lives. It's like has trouble adjusting. Right. Uh, you know, pop stars that are one hit wonders. I mean, like there is a huge list of these. And, in fact, Leaf Garrett right now doing a great job. Leaf Garrett, uh, the leaf blower. Blowing the leaves. Yeah, Leaf Garrett, the leaf blower. He's, he's doing amazing This is definitely the most it's been since. We did this episode with Paul Tompkins the first time over at Paul Tompkins' house. And, like, his yard work people showed up. He had no idea. And, like, it got worse and bigger as it went. And it became laughable. But this man's proximity to our window is remarkable. Really, he's How does it sound? Sounds pretty good, right? He is on the podcast right now. Well, I mean, you you can also uh, hear once you, if you hear the leaf blower because there are sound filters. If you hear the leaf blower, take a shot. If you're listening to this, oh, uh, make during, it fun during happy hour. I I would encourage you. I mean, guys, it's, we're recording this on October 3rd. There's so many leaves everywhere. <laughs> this couldn't have been pushed. <laughs> and we should, you can uh, tweet a picture uh, to the, the Twitter for the podcast. Hashtag pop shot. Oh, That's, I think yeah. That, yeah, take a shot during when you hear the leaf blower. This is like, you know, like that movie Autumn in New York where like the cover is like, you know, like the, the nice cobblestone streets with all the leaves everywhere. And it's so beautiful and picturesque. Picture the opposite of that. that <laughs> That is Los Angeles right now. There's like a couple palm fronds around. That's it's about it. Sunny. It's you know, eighty five degrees. The same as it always is. Yeah, pretty much. Which really, I think, is a big psychological issue for everybody that lives uh, here. Nobody wants to get older. Nobody wants to admit that time is passing. It's true. Well, maybe we seasons. Maybe it's just a sign that like he doesn't want us to talk about Justin Bieber, and so oh, yeah. I'm okay with that. He's a believer. Bieber sent Bieber sent his people. He yeah. did. <laughs> Drown out. He's that got body. A, he's got an expansive network. They all have earpieces in. And I want them all dead. Tell. I want them all dead. Wait, I don't want them dead. I just want the leaves blown. <laughs> I want to blow their podcast up. But don't actually use explosives. Just use leaf blowers. Thanks, guys. He's not that evil of no. Justin Bieber. This is a this is this benign is a, Bieber. Yeah, benevolent Bieber. He's a yard work. He's Bieber. a yard work prankster. He's a yard work prankster. We've always known that. Yeah, yeah. Sends workers around everywhere to work in people's yards and just laughs to himself. I didn't see it going here. Yeah, but here we the are. Figure. All right, well, this is something really hilarious to me. J.J. Uh, Abrams publicly apologized <laughs> for all the lens flares in the latest Star Trek movie and in general, which I think is amazing. Wow. It's so uh, funny, too. He finally put, like, yep, I mean, I'm aware of it, yeah. that I do it too much. I'll take care of it. And he's like, it's a real problem. Um, I guess he found or he felt that it was a real problem the most when his wife was watching one of the scenes from Star Trek, and she's like, "I don't know what's happening. Like, I can't see what's happening." Yeah, well, um, that's the least of the problems with that last Star Trek movie. Uh, we could go on and on. I'm sure you may have on a previous episode. I'm not a fan. I, I'm a fan of the first film. I thought it was yeah. a great reboot of the series. And the second film is rehashing stuff from one of the most beloved Star Trek movies, The Wrath of Khan, um, and, and rehashing their moment, the best moments, and then just belittling the, in, in a completely dissatisfying way. A plot that's convoluted, rehashing stuff from the last film that seemed to work. Like, we, I don't know if Kirk's a good captain or not. And I, I just, I, I, I was, I, I, I hated that film. Um, it's my least favorite of all the Star Trek movies. I have hope for Star Wars because I think that 
J.J. Abrams is more, that's more his thing. I don't think we'll see any lens flares in Star Wars. And from what I know about the, the, the new Star Wars movie, he's, he's going to actually shoot it on film. He's going to shoot it on film. Oh, and, really? And have nice. it appear as if, you know, if you took, if you popped out the VHS tape of Return of the Jedi, you could pop episode six of Star Wars, you could pop in the VHS cassette of episode seven and they would feel in tone to be the same, not just in look, but in tone and whatnot. He wants to make it feel as if this Star Wars movie was made in the 70s, oh. where lens flares were outlawed. Which I would assume <laughs> was hopefully means more practical effects with like actual, right. like, you know, things that you could touch as opposed to yes. just all this digital Zing, noise zing. everywhere, yeah. which is Absolutely. what the prequels all had. Yeah. Which would be great. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, the plan actually. I enjoyed the last Star Trek, but like, it's one of those things sort of like Prometheus, which is also not a very good movie. If you start to like, think about like, if you go down the rabbit hole, like, yeah, well, that was kind of stupid. Oh yeah. But that, yeah, that was kind of dumb too. Uh, uh, yeah. That was pretty stupid. All of a sudden you're like, you'll talk yourself out of the fact that you enjoyed it in the moment. So I try not to do that. Cause there's things like in the latest Star Trek where like they needed to get cons, um, blood or whatever, even though they had like 40 identical people to him all in cryo freeze chambers right there on the ship. But if they just took the blood from that, then they wouldn't be able to have the chase scene on top of the cruisers with, uh, Spock after like that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, it's really dumb. It's if you think about it. But I kind of like the chase, so <laughs> I guess I have to let it go. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like the, the action sequences are are really not part of Star Trek. I mean, Star Trek has sort of minimal act. I mean, their whole thing is to they're trying to solve crises and, and in a way that's like you know a, a, in a peaceful way. I, I think. J.J. Abrams is just making a Star Wars movie. He, he never thought he'd get to make a Star Wars movie, so he made Star Trek Into Darkness, which actually, if, could anyone explain the title to me? Because, see, I get the Wrath of Khan because there's a guy named Khan in the movie and there's a wrath. I get the search for Spock because they went to look for Spock. Right. I get the voyage home because they went home. I get all the titles for all the Star Trek movies. Right. Sulu's birthday. Sulu's birthday. Sense. That was a great one. <laughs> really good. I loved it. But uh, Into Darkness, I don't get it. I don't know what he was trying to say with that. I know that they mentioned... Maybe it's the, the credits at the end. Who knows? <laughs> well, like, and there was this weird sort of tribute to 9-11, and I saw it with this preview audience, and I remember just dead silence. There wasn't like... It's like, I, you know, I, I like when... Uh, but social and political commentary is a subtext that we can read into, not a boom, let's sort of stamp it onto the end of the film. It just, it just didn't have any place in, in, in Star Trek. Make that commentary without like actually connecting all the dots for us. Yeah. We're smart enough to do that. And I, 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 I I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm really just annoyed with that movie. But the lens flare apology is sort of like, I hope it's the first in a long line of apologies. <laughs> Tip of the iceberg. Just make a good Star Wars movie, JJ, and we'll all forgive you. Will you forgive him? No. I didn't uh, think so. I felt it. Yeah, yeah. But so. you can begin a path to healing. Yes, a path to healing. That will just, just make a good Star Wars movie. You know? like, um, there's a great video floating around on the internet now. Just I think it's just called Four Rules to Make Star Wars Great Again. And it was really simple, like, um, it, was, it was just a little animated short, like two minutes long. And it's like, keep the force mysterious. Star Wars doesn't happen in, in the city or in a library or in parliament. It happens on the frontier. Star Wars is a Western. Um, Star Wars isn't cute. You know, people get their arms chopped off. It's dangerous. 
It was just like really simple, like Jay Dre, do it this way. This is every this is you know Star Wars is dirty. It's not new. Everything is sort of rusty and whatever. So stick to these rules. Those are these are the four rules that Lucas broke in making the prequels. And I think if Abrams sticks to these sort of more what were true, you know, what made Star Wars great. He he can. I'm sure that those will leak their way back in. Well, there's always been franchises that I feel like if they actually let auteur directors take a shot at, it would make them interesting again. Mm-hmm. Like, like I love the Bond series. Don't get me wrong, I've seen them all, and I you know Casino Royale is a great reboot of the series and that kind of stuff too. But like, and Sam Mendes did. A, I thought it did actually a really good job. But like, if you were to give a Bond movie to Quentin Tarantino, holy shit. You know, like, why not? It's because it's so, like, the Broccoli family is so, like, conservative with the character and staying true to the books that they're afraid that, like, if you let somebody who's going to, like, fuck with things a little bit, that it's just going to ruin it and it's going to be this big thing. Or maybe it'll make it the coolest thing ever, you know? Like, so if you let somebody, that's why I'm kind of glad they gave, you know, Star Trek to Gina, or Star Wars to J.J. Abrams, who at least has a style and whatever. Even, right. Even if it's just kind of like faux Spielberg in a lot of ways, at least it's something different. As opposed to the, you know Lucas either doing what he keeps doing or just giving it to somebody who's like a serviceable director who's not going to put a stamp on it. They're just going to film what's on the page. But what do you it. think Lucas's involvement with Abrams will be like? Um, apparently, he's much anything. He's mapped out plot plot lines for episodes seven, eight, and nine. But um, Disney can do whatever they want, and the writers can do whatever they want, and J.J. Abrams can do whatever he wants. It's Whoa. really, it's really, and also like, I mean, the one thing that I think you have to give Lucas credit for is the guy has no shortage of amazing ideas. Yeah. Right. But story and dialogue sometimes are not always his strongest suits. And he's got great, it's interesting if you, and I know way too much about this to get, this is going to be a three part episode. Um, <laughs> like, you know, the original like story outline for episode one was much more ambitious with Obi-Wan being a focus. And there was like a love triangle where, you know, Padme had feelings for Obi-Wan and there was, it was way layered and deeper. And he just sort of went with the little kid version. You know, it's like I don't want to do anything that's going to offend anybody. And he made it—he made it safe, and he didn't trust his instincts. But I mean, look, double-sided lightsabers—you know, Darth Maul. You can't—you can point to a million good ideas in the prequels, and then a, as many bad ones, and the mix just doesn't work. He, there was really no one to say no to him. In the that's original right. trilogy, yeah. it was his then wife, Marsha Lucas, who won an Oscar for editing, and um, Gary Kurtz, the original producer, and their contributions really made. The first two Star Wars movies, I'm talking about A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, although no one ever uses A New Hope. They just call it Star Wars. <laughs> um, those are the movies that solidified that there would be a series of movies. Return of the Jedi has its own teddy bears and weird stuff. and That's when it began to be the mix of good ideas and bad ideas. And then the prequels is just like – it's just a huge example of that. It'll be interesting to see what happens now that it's in Disney's hands. Um, yeah. Though they've released the title, it's Disney's That Darn Star Wars. <laughs> well, it's going to be weird to see a Star Wars movie um, with a Disney logo in the front. Like, I yeah. feel like they should license the Fox logo just as a way. I mean, just like it's we're going to see a Star Wars movie, and there's no and and it's weird is. is it doesn't feel like there's a Star Wars movie coming out. I mean, normally there'd be rumors. Yeah. There'd be a teaser trailer. There'd be like something. There'd be, you know, there's like a series of the way. I mean, the one thing, actually, you can criticize the prequels all you want. The one thing you can't criticize, the marketing. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. The marketing is this Inescapable marketing. The, the official title is this. The toys are going to be this. The toys will be released on this date. The teaser trailer comes out X date. The, they turn teaser trailers into an event. 
I mean, I remember when episode one's teaser trailer came out, that was, that was, it, that changed the way that they marketed movies. I saw a talk about the history of Star Wars at D23, D23 being the event. The Disney Expo. Disney, yeah. Disney Expo. It's basically Comic-Con for Disney nerds, but you can actually get into everything. Right. <laughs> and like Comic-Con where Hall H is oh, like a weird. Better camp out for three days. To see what you want, where you're sitting through panels you don't care about. It makes no sense. Put it at Petco Park. Come on. Comic-Con, get it together. But, um, you know, I saw this presentation. They were talking about how that changed everything and that they ended up like Apple actually approached Lucasfilm after that event because there were bootleg videos on the Internet that said, you know, we can just put that up for you if you want. So then that became that whole thing of event trailers. The trailer debuts at this time and on Monday the trailer's on the Internet. I don't know that we've had a trailer that's had that kind of excitement um, in the last year you yeah, know? Like people used to like when the Star Wars prequel trailers came out. People would just buy tickets to whatever movie they knew it was attached yep. to, and then walk out. They would right. literally just watch the trailers and not watch the movie. So right. like, those box office grosses were inflated a bit for whatever that was. Absolutely, just crazy. Yeah, of course, and you know, smart. Now it's like the internet is so much more prevalent that you know you can usually just find it there. But like back in those days when it was a little more dial up-y, um, yeah, everything was more go. of an event. Yeah. Yep camping out and stuff for tickets as opposed to just buying them you know three weeks in advance reserved and then just showing up five minutes before showtime <laughs> well i love um one of my favorite uh, i'm actually going to quote a tweet from uh, a buddy of mine from the indie film world who's gone on to much success and which means i don't talk to him as much anymore <laughs> i have a lot of friends like that rob schraub who mm-hmm. tweeted something that basically echoed what i think myself and a lot of star wars fans think and he just said i miss liking star wars Oh. And I felt that that was so poignant. It's like, oh, I miss liking it. The prequels were like this horrible experience that we all suffered through together. But I almost, the thing I like about Star Wars, almost sort of secondary to the movies, is the how it binds my friends together. Mm. Like the Force. Right. Um, <laughs> where it's like, oh, you're going to wait in line this. I'll hold your plate. Look, we're going to do this. We'll meet up at so-and-so. And then the post-seeing the screening conversation and the, like, are you going to go to, what time does Toys R Us open at 10 a.m.? I'll meet you there. I'll be in line. You know, like that, everything surrounding it. Or did you see the trailer? And then the endless discussion. I like the way it, it brought together a group of friends that I will always be friends with. And, and it, it's us experiencing that together, I think, is what I miss more than the movies. Because the movies were almost became secondary to um, that that collective ex- experiencing all of that. I don't know how you felt. Because even, like, I like, I remember when the first one came out, like, I, like everybody else, bought a Darth Maul figure and kept it in the package. Mm-hmm. Which was, like, <laughs> you know what, $5 then. And right now it's probably worth about $4. Because yeah. <laughs> everybody in the world friggin' bought them. Yeah. There were right. so many. There's no scarcity to them. And that's, like, because now we live in a collector's age where everybody does it and nobody plays with them and everybody keeps them. So there's, they're not, there's no supply demand issues yeah. it's just straight up you know oh no there's tons of these there's a lot of these unless it's the kind of thing where like they make x amount and it's a blind box and it's hard to get and then all of a sudden it's super expensive that's the way they found to, right. to do it now but like it's just weird it's a different different culture now yeah, and now they even have these star wars figures that i've seen i think what i what I, I am a recovered collector like i collect certain things but what i like to have now are things that are rare or um craft projects I'll, I'll do myself just so I have a one-of-a-kind thing. So right. I've got like a Han Solo frozen in carbonite life cast of Harrison Ford's face. I've Whoa. Got like a lot of, I've got like Luke's lightsaber, but in it, you know, like things where it's like made of metal. It's not like one of those graphic, it's, 
it's like a prop replica. So I love to get things like that. It's not quite as, but they have these black, have you seen the black box ones where it's like this black box series where it's like these, you know, uh, uh, these figures that are incredibly detailed. I mean, they're, they're just way more detailed and they look, I mean, so now they just realize like, wow, it's like older guys buying these and older fo- that had that bud money. And we, now we can just charge Make more. Grown up toys. Right. Grown up toys. Grown up yeah. toys. Yeah, I don't. Sure. I got rid of all that stuff. I I I did a purge, and no matter how much I purge, I feel like I still have too much stuff. Yeah, yeah I know how that. Feels. Collections just intimidate me. I don't think there's anything I could get into because just knowing how much other things exist within that thing, and that there's a better version of what I have, and. I feel like it just turns on a well, crazy you, thing in me. It's yeah. just like, well, I would need it all. Once you go down that road, you start to become a completist, and then it's just it's nightmarish. Yeah, I right. can't live like that. It's tough. Trust me. It's yeah. It's, it's <laughs> it definitely mirrors types of addiction. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like I have to have them all. And I, I I gave all that up, but I do like having like I do have a collection, but it's like. I feel like it's like if it has to be in storage, I can't own it. Because if it's in storage, yeah. why do I have it? Yeah, exactly. It's just so I can, away. Yeah, so How are you displaying your things? Oh, I do have a display. I will, I'll tweet pictures uh, at you. Oh, yes, please. Of my please. display so that you can see. And even weird things. I took a, This was a weird project <laughs> I made. I had a life cast of myself that was made by a girlfriend at the time when I was 22. And I took a 12-inch, because I had two 12-inch Han Solo Frozen and Carbonite figures. And I took a... I took a Dremel and I cut out Han Solo and I put my face in the Han Solo Frozen Carbonite. And it's the weirdest thing. I have it on display. (laughs) Uh, That's a one of a kind. And I spent like a couple months working on it. It's just one of those things like a little craft project on the side. I have a crafting. I do have a crafting area. DIY crafting area? Uh, Yes. I call it. Yeah. Manly crafting. (laughs) What does it mean? It's, yeah. I I, I, I mean, this Carbonite thing. Like, I feel like that's saying, like cutting him out, putting your face in. I'll show you a picture after the show's over. And you'll... You'll uh, you'll see what I'm talking about, but those kinds of things where it's just like, uh, why would anyone make this? This is bizarre. Awesome. Do you so, have any fire tools? I oh, I've got a lot of fire tools. Like I, yeah, I have a whole air. Yeah, because I'm working on this animated show right now, and I'm making all the sets and props. And oh my gosh, that's so, amazing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, those dumb. You know what? Art class in elementary school actually came in handy yeah, as an adult. <laughs> Pay sticks. Pipe nice. cleaners awesome. are pretty cool. Yeah, they are. <laughs> you know what you're doing with them. They're pretty awesome. So, Chris, it's obvious that you have little to no film knowledge. Yeah. yeah and, true. Um, embarrassing. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you started Film Threat. Yes, I did. Back in 1985? Uh, even a little bit before that, I was in high school. I was like working on this, I'm going to do this punk rock fanzine. Yeah, like punk, because punk, punk was, I mean, punk was, um, punk rock was that I was, I grew up punk rock, you know, that's, that was, that was my thing that was into that, you know, I guess I just like to be called fag a lot. So <laughs> why not just dress like that and whatever. Boom. So, um, I was totally into punk music, used to read punk rock fanzines like Maximum Rock and Roll, used to read Option Magazine, all the sort of music <laughs> mags at the time. And, um. So I just wanted to do something punk rock, but about film. And yeah, I started it when I was, uh, you know, in high school and then did the first zine version in 85, came out. Um, and yeah, that I started that. Yeah. 
It's grown into this huge... I mean, it's... Well, it's gone through evolutions. It was an underground fanzine, and then I got uh, an investor that put a little bit of money into it. Then I sold it to Larry Flint, and I split it into two magazines, one called Film Threat Video Guide, which was uh, printed on newsprint. was about underground movies, and we helped distribute those movies on VHS. Boom. then And then Larry Flint did this, the the Upscale magazine, which did articles about Tarantino and all that, and... And then that sort of like sort of mirrored indie film having its comeuppance in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And then I got the rights back to Film Threat. I killed Film Threat Video Guide, turned it into a website. And then a couple of years ago, sold the website to a guy who used to work for me, Mark Bell. And he owns the website. So it's, it's a website right now. But I, yeah, I, was, uh, I started that thing. So, so many iterations. I wish I, I wish I could say it ended like, and then I was a millionaire. Well, it's not over yet, sister. And I started <laughs> Film Threatist Industries. <laughs> and we started an empire of podcasts and television shows and YouTube channels. And it didn't end that way. It ended, kind of, it ended a little more, more Walter Whitish or Pinkman. And it's, 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 without the death, maybe. Not so much the death and the meth. Just the drive away. Just like moment. the drive away. It's like, whew, huh. I expect. I, I escaped that experience unscathed, yet penniless. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. But being a film guy, I realized, like, it was weird. Like, you know, you introduced me as a stand-up comedian, and I do so appreciate that. Because, um, you know, it's weird. Like, when you're a film guy or a film critic, that's a dead job. Mm-hmm. You know, they fired... Talking about print is flourishing. <laughs> the, the home video system I, is, like, on top of the world. Are you talking about those little, little thin... Th- it's like it's like the internet, but on thin slices of wood. I'm talking about <laughs> yeah. this was a thing. Right. In the, yeah. Um, uh, you know, like, yeah, that's... I mean, that's that's pretty much dead. I mean, some like Elvis Mitchell, who's a good friend going back from, you know, the, my Detroit days, like, you know, they fired him from the New York Times. It's like the job of film critic just doesn't exist. And the internet, Twitter, and the mass, you know, comment culture, they are the, the film critics. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's even certain algorithms you can look, and they can predict based on Twitter reactions how well a film is going to do on Friday, what it's, the box office is going to be on Sunday. Yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. So so being that that's like, and, and plus the encouragement, I have to give Jonah Ray credit, encouragement from people like, I would just get like, this is like 10 years ago, are you a comedian? It's like, no, I just, I don't know. I just have attitudes about things. Sometimes you might laugh at some of my comments, whatever. But it was Jonah Ray that said, why aren't you doing stand-up? Like, you should be doing stand-up. Let me, I'll put you in the Meltdown show. This is like three and a half, four years ago. And I did the show and I, and I had all these people saying like, you know, you're going to be on stage. You might get nervous. I'm like, yeah, I do. I do live TV. I don't give a shit. I don't care. I've done public speaking in front of, you know, a thousand people to I don't care. I don't care. So I think it's sort of with that, it really came down to like, I better have good material. Yeah. How did you prep your material that first time? A lot of jokes I'd just been telling for years, you know, uh, just like <laughs> stupid, you know, things that I thought were, you know, observational, funny. I can't kind of define my voice. And then people like Yoshi Obayashi, who's a Korean comedian and a good friend of mine mm-hmm. who just said, you know, the kind of things that he likes out of a comedian is, you know, a comedian could steal a joke, right? But you can't steal a, some, uh, someone's story or personality. So my album, Celebrities Poop, it's a plug. I am doing a plug. <laughs> Celebrities, it's available at celebritiespoop.com. Um, it's, uh, it's a, or iTunes or Amazon. Um, it's, 
it's you know a mix of jokey type stuff and then also just stories just bizarre stories like um, one story where um, I lent Charlie Sheen some videos when I first moved to Los Angeles because he was really into like weird videos like hentai you know anime and just weird shit so i became in a way kind of his underground video dealer (laughs) i would lend charlie sheen videos well one of the videos was a film called guinea pig which is a a japanese movie that basically shows a live autopsy of a woman who's alive at the beginning and then dead if one were not observing closely one might think it's a snuff film and charlie sheen did so he reported it to the fbi (gasps) which then turned into this investigation where I was involved. And what? then six months later, I'm watching the news where I'm like, I had all these videos confiscated. I had like, I had to be interviewed by the FBI about the, this, this video and where I obtained it. The guy who gave me the video got, got you know, investigated and to shut down his business. It was weird. All I did was just make a copy of a tape and give it to Charlie Sheen. Six months later, I see Charlie Sheen getting a letter of commendation as a good citizen from the FBI thanks to his efforts to shut down this evil video bootlegger. And and st- and I was like, I, I didn't do anything evil. I oh gave him a video. Oh, my gosh. Which wasn't a snuff film. The FBI was just like, yeah, this is fake. So that's one of the sort of stories I tell. And, and another – that was my second brush with the FBI because the first time was when I wrote John Hinckley in prison. John Hinckley, the uh, uh, attempted assassination, he attempted an assassination of President Reagan, Reagan right. at the time, inspired by Jodie Foster and the film. He was obsessed with Jodie Foster in the movie Taxi Driver. So I innocently got his address, wrote to Hinckley in prison, and asked him to review the movie Taxi Driver for my underground magazine film threat, <laughs> um, which put me on the watch list, which basically oh just meant gosh. that the FBI subscribed to film threat. <laughs> so it was weird. So I have that's one thing that my, I have that might actually be worth some money is I, I saved every letter I ever got for and this is like letter like before email what what where I would th- this is a funny story you'll appreciate this the way I would interview people this is in the 80s so to interview someone you know um, f- a phone call was too expensive because if I was to call say Charles Bukowski in San Francisco in the Bay Area it's like a dollar a minute in the 80s, right? If I'm going to talk to him for an hour, that's 60 bucks to talk to Charles Bukowski and interview him over the phone. Or I could send Charles Bukowski an envelope filled with questions I've written at the top of the page with a blank slate and then include a self-addressed stamped envelope. Your listeners might be hearing these words for the first time. Space. Self-addressed stamped <laughs> envelope, S-A-S-E, <laughs> as it's known, hashtag. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Charles Bukowski, about a month later, I'd mail that to him. A month later, he'd return to me the envelope filled with his handwritten responses to oh, my questions. Oh, my gosh. And I still have a lot of those for people that I interviewed back in the day. So I do have an auction house that's going to come and look at some things in my collection. I did that with Alan Moore. And it's funny because, like, you know, Charles Bukowski wrote this little cartoon and said, hey, signed Buck. And he drew a little cartoon picture of himself, which he'd done with a lot of correspondence. So I have all this correspondence with people back in in the 80s and early 90s because that was the way – this is before I had a budget. And I would just – you know, it was producing a magazine by any means necessary. And another magazine was a huge influence for me at the time was Punk Magazine. I don't know if you know Mm -hmm. Legs McNeil, John – just a a whole group of people who – put out this magazine that was the anti-music magazine. It was covering a scene of music, but it was also the way they covered it. They would hand write, they'd interview like Lydia Lunch and then like hand write the, rather than typeset, Mm. they would actually like hand draw her responses like a comic book and then put emphasis on certain words. So you kind of heard 
the intonation and the tone with um, uh, going beyond a broad range of uh, choices beyond bold ITAL and bold ITAL, <laughs> which are effective, or exclamation points. So it's, it's cool. Like in comic books, you can actually, in graphic novels, I don't want to call them comic books and belittle them. You're a grown-up. You can actually handwrite and make it. So that I would do that. Um, I took some of those ideas, put those into film thread. We did a lot of weird things where there were flip cartoons in the corner. Every issue of the of the magazine oh, had that's a, little, a flip cartoon, like a one and a half, two second flip cartoon. Mm-hmm. Nice. So there were a lot of bizarre ideas that we put graphic ideas. It was if you look at the magazine now, it's like oh, this was like the internet before the internet. Hmm. And I look at a lot of the things we did at the time because I was banned from every studio. I you know like I had a lot of problems doing a magazine called Film Threat. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, so, uh, but now I look at it, and it's like, that's the internet now. Yeah. Yep. The attitude of film threat was the attitude of the internet, but it was just before it, it could, it could be visible on a computer. So, um, but there's, there's no, there's no benefit, you know, there's no benefit for being first for that stuff. I feel well, like other the people benefit come along. is all these artifacts. And if I can sell them, yes. Know? If I can sell them, yes. I will. <laughs> That's the way to look at it. If I can make a buck. Otherwise, it's like a participation medal. Yeah, <laughs> it is like a participation. I participated in creating film threats. So that go. is the... Exploited. I go off and no, no, I hope you don't have more than one question because that's that's right. That well, was it. let's do first. Okay, we do great. this every podcast. A different first in life. Uh, this is for episode one twenty eight. So go figure. Uh, <laughs> what was the first smartphone game app you can remember downloading or buying, and do you still play it today? Ooh, that's good. Um, wow. Uh, I think the first smartphone app has to be Bejeweled. I mean, nice. I mean, it's dumb, but it's like. Love Bejeweled. That was the, I mean, like, and it's, I, I do have it on my iPhone. It's so it's, it's uh, survived. It's like one of those, I think it, on my iPhone, I've been playing the infinity mode like forever. It's just like, <laughs> oh, let's go back, save my high score. Great. Yeah. That's it. Bejeweled. Dip Bejeweled. on in. Nice. How about you, first. Vanessa? I think it was Words with Friends, which oh, wow. um, makes me kind of late to the game, I guess, but I just didn't ever really play games. And then I was obsessed with it. And then I accepted too many games and I had to quit. Because it was all I could think about. All I could think about. So I deleted it off my phone. Mine was a little bit earlier. It was Zork. It was a text adventure. <laughs> no. Uh, it, was, uh, it was probably, there's this game called Word Warp, where basically it's just they give you a bunch of letters, and then um, you just like try to type in as many words, combination of the like letters. Sort, sort of like Boggle or whatever. Um, but they have them already like... Like there's uh, there's X amount of three-letter words and four-letter words. And like they you know how many there oh. are. And you have to get... I think it's there's like six letters or something. Maybe it's five. Um, there's always at least one of those words, and you have to find that word in order to move on to the next round. Ooh. If you don't, your game's over. But there's kind of no definite clock. I mean, there's a clock, but like you can just stop playing whenever in between rounds. So I have a game that I've been playing for like, I don't know, a year or whatever. <laughs> and like I always manage to find that word before the thing's over, and I'm like, I gotta take a break. And then I'll come back and I'll play like one round Still or whatever. And, and mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, the worst thing is that Candy Crush game. Oh, which God. Is, which is very it's bejeweled. It's bejeweled, but with better sound effects, better yeah. special effects, more satisfying. I'm really into up. that right now. And it sucks. I started playing it, and then I, you know, it's free. That's free. And then it's you realize free. it's it's like Vegas where you never win money. Yeah. It's like putting money in a slot machine. Well, it's like, well, I get five more moves for 99 cents waste of, and I, after spending like 10, 15 bucks on it, I said, 
I have to delete this off my phone. This is this is this is a it, it's it's a I'm addicted. It's awful. Um, I I hate that friggin' game. And and uh, I, I, you heard yeah. like the insane amount of money they're making on a daily basis. I'm sure. Well, I'm deep Tens of millions right of dollars. It's horrible. Yeah. I haven't done the buying like boosters or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I just think about it a lot. And like if I'm looking at your face, I'm waiting for a third eye to come so I can yeah, knock exactly. the level of eyes out. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. it just does. Mm-hmm. And like wallpaper is horrible. Patterned wallpaper because mm-hmm. you're just trying to line up things and make <laughs> and i, I yeah, my wife plays it like pretty regularly oh. too she'll play that and i'm i've been obsessed with simpsons tapped out the last couple like month or so so i've been playing that around the clock but i don't usually play games that much on my yeah. phone like there's a while where i was playing like scramble and words with friends and like hanging with friends but then like i would fall behind because i would get busy and then all of a sudden like they would I, your game would be forfeited after yeah. like 10 days and it's like well you know, I gotta okay, get out of this great. I guess I'm done playing this game because you forced me <laughs> to be done playing your game. If you'd let me pick it up whenever I got back to it, that'd be fine. Uh, no, I hate time limits and and sort of move uh, that that those kind of you know game rules irritate me. But I see. But that, what's interesting about like the game stuff to me? I play the game when I'm waiting in the line. If I'm yeah. waiting in a line at a post right. office, DMV, whatever. Waiting in any sort of line, grocery line, it's like. I could play this for three minutes and I'm not going to, it's, and, and I feel that all these modern things, like for example, with traffic in LA, which we all suffer through, you have no idea. It's weird. Cause we could go like, I mean, you're like seven miles from where I live downtown, right. To come here. But I know it's either going to take me 20 minutes, which is my GPS being really optimistic oh, saying, God. we can make it in 20 minutes and me going, no, no <laughs> GPS. No, no. I'm going to triple the time because I'm smart. Rather get there early be on time, chill out, and, and I, listen, I listen to books all the time in my car. I'm very well listened. I listen to a lot of books. That's my. That's great. So, I mean, way to use that time at your advantage yeah, instead true. of just sitting there freaking out. Exactly, like it's like freaking out. Travis, like, no, I'm going to listen to Will Wheaton read me Ready Player One, which is I, I throw out a plug for his uh, for his reading of that uh, science fiction novel. Great, great book. So nice. Yeah. All right, let's do my questions. Okay, let's. Um, this here is an indie film quiz. Ooh, let's uh, see how I do on this. I also I worked at a video store for like 10 years in the 90s. So like, I did work at a video store as there well. There you go. Oh. Uh, it's an indie store. It wasn't a blockbuster. Okay. It was a Hollywood video. And it's where a bow tie. Cool. Um, it was just, you know, off the beaten track. We tracked down like rare VHS tapes oh, and do director sections and all that stuff like that. That was, that's like at, back in the day. I was like, one day I'll own my own video store. Like, <laughs> do whatever. And then, of course, that all died. But uh, anyways, so these are all, um, I'm going to give you three or more actors that appeared together in an indie film from the 90s or the 2000s and you tell me what the film is okay um all right so uh number one steve buscemi katherine keener dermot mulroney peter dinklage and james legro <laughs> also kevin corrigan i believe is in the, it's like it's it's a bevy of 90s indie film actors and it's actually a film about indie film Maybe that'll help. Ah, ah. I know the movie. It's like it's I I know the movie. And I can't and I can't think of the title. Tom, gonna... Tom DeCilio. Tom DeCillo, yeah. Yeah, directed it. I interviewed him at the Toronto Film Festival about this movie, and I can't remember the name of the movie. It's but, but it's like on the tip of my tongue, it's it it 
I mean, I'm, I'm seeing the movie in my head. I, I can, I remember, like, I even remember a line Peter Dinklage says in the movie, like, I'm a midget, and I, even I don't dream about midgets. There you go. Yeah, Something along film. those lines. That is the film. And it's, um, it's, it's, I, I it's you know movie it they're midget. I know what it is, title, and I don't know the title. You know, it's Living in Oblivion. Living in Oblivion. I can't, I cannot believe. Which is amazing. Your yeah, it's amazing, it's and great. Dinklage is great in it, and I, Johnny Swade was his film with the, that broke, Brad Pitt really and got him in Thelma Louise. That and all the, that whole, the whole James LeGrow character in Living in Oblivion is like a send up of Brad it Pitt. Is Brad Pitt from Johnny Swade? So right. Go figure. Uh, number two, Catherine Keener. She may pop up a few times. This <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Catherine Keener, very indie film favorite. Anne Heche, Liev Schreiber, Todd Field, and Randall Battenkoff. The director. This is a female. She's got a film in theaters right now. Uh, yeah, this, this is. I, 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 I'm really bad at quizzes. I'm, right. I'm going to say I'm really bad at quizzes. What is it? It's walking and talking. Walking and talking. Which yeah. is that Nicole Hoffman, yeah. the one who did Enough Said, which is in theaters right now, which is the oh, last yeah. James wow. Gandolfini film. Um, all right, this one might be a little bit better for you. Edward Burns, Michael McGlone, Maxine Bonds, Connie Britton. It's the thing that put Edward Burns on the map. Yeah, I I, I I can see the film grain in it. Not sisters, but see this is the thing. This is, I'm not good at names, but I know that I I know that yeah, it's um the something brothers the the, the, mm-hmm. the Mick 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 yeah <laughs> McDonald no. the brothers Mc- brothers McMullen yeah dang it that this was... is the thing like my memory I'd say was perfect photographic memory before I had children. <laughs> and it's a weird thing. And I know I've talked to a lot of parents that have experienced this. Like after you have kids, like your brain is reprogrammed. Like they partition a part of your brain for thinking like this will always be used for your kids. Now this part <laughs> of the pie. And since then, my memory has just been like for certain things. And it's like names of things. It's bizarre. So she, she usually gives clues. So she'll, she'll help you out. Yeah. Number four. I'm awful. I hate quizzes too. Matt it Dillon. Me out. Timothy Hutton, Noah Emmerich, Uma Thurman, Natalie Portman, also Rosie O'Donnell. Didn't write it down. Younger than a woman, she's a. She's a. I don't know. Pete Rose is a theme song. So pretty. It's a, It's beautiful girls. Beautiful girls. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right, well, let's go quickly. Here goes my cred. Can we just throw right it out right. the window? The, right. the leaf blowers. Right. Bring them back. Bring good. them back. Blow it away. Uh, Dermot Mulroney, Will Smith, Balthazar Getty, James LeGrow, oh. Ricky Lake. Written by Michael Hitchcock. A festival of someone from a past thing. I love Michael. You should, it was not a very well-received film, but it's all right. It's, I have uh, not seen this movie. It's where the Day Takes You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could tell by my face I didn't need to yep. say no. Yeah. <laughs> Craig Sheffer, Eric Stoltz, Meg Tilly, Todd Field, Quentin Tarantino with a very memorable spiel about Top Gun. Yes. Title's a little obscure because the movie itself is not that memorable. Right. But right. that one scene. That was like, yeah, that was that one scene. Um, go the gay way. Go the gay way. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Top Gun's really about. Yeah. I know this. And, I know, and, and the movie is just like, it's one of those where it's like indie movies where they have these bizarre, you know, Title that like makes no sense. Yeah, it's not like Wrath of Khan, where it's like, well, he had a wrath and his name was Khan. So that's <laughs> why that movie's called that. That's but a title. A lot that of really indie film titles have these. Yeah, exactly. But it has these really weird indie film titles that just like have no like. I guess that means something, or that's what the novel. It's a deep. It's like a deep thing. Well, it's like when they changed the title of Animal Husbandry, which is a book, to Someone Like You. Yeah. What? Wow. Yeah. Why'd you do that? Uh, that one's called Sleep with Me. Yeah. 
Exactly. Uh, Steve Buscemi, Tora Birch, Scarlett Johansson, Brad Renfro, David Cross, Ileana Douglas. A film by Terry Zweigoff. Yeah, it was Ghost World. There right? you go. Yeah, you go. Okay, good. I got one. There you go. I got Kids one. didn't I take it all, baby. That's right. <laughs> Almost done. Number eight. Griffin Dunn, Rosanna Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken, Ileana Douglas, John Turturro, and Ethan Hawke. Produced by Martin Scorsese. I After know. Hours. Search and no. Destroy. Oh, Might have been the but that, that same, a lot of that same cast was in After Hours. That's true. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, Michael Wincott, Gary Oldman, David Bowie, Benicio Del Toro. Benicio Del Toro, interestingly, was originally cast to play Khan. Which in, in Star Trek Into Darkness, yeah, yeah. which really? would have been a million times better. Um, so rather than, and I love Benedict Cumberbatch, he's not Khan. Khan is not a rude butler out of Downton Abbey, <laughs> which is kind of how he played it. I'm better at everything. I can dust shelves better than you. <laughs> now, sit down for second course meal. <laughs> it just felt, felt like a butler to me with that British yeah, accent. I, I mean, did Khan have a British accent? Uh, I mean... It's just it, Ricardo Montalban. I mean, yeah, Ricardo Montalban, which would have been Benicio Del Toro and make him menacing. I wonder if they did, have a clear, simple they did goal it just post- because they were, like, they wanted to keep the Khan thing under wrap, and if they... It if, didn't if matter. They, if they'd cast Benicio Del Toro, people would have been like, well, obviously he's Khan. Yeah, just say it's Khan, but, like, also, like, how about just, like, what was Khan... Do you know what Khan's plan was at all? And why, why, why was Khan so mad at Starfleet? And what, what were the motivations for him doing what he did? I'm asking questions which we should be able to answer Immediately. easily. Yeah, yeah like Darth Vader in the first Star Wars it. wanted the Death Star plans. I know what he wants. I know the character's goal. Yeah. When you don't know what a character's goal is, it, it's, that's why Prometheus, which you brought up earlier, is a great example. That movie, I love that movie, and it's hugely flawed. Because if you compare it to the original Alien movie, in Alien, there's a ton of mysteries. What is the space jockey? Why are these things doing this? But the mysteries don't bother you because the character motivations are logical. All mm-hmm. the character motivations in the original Alien make sense. So the mysteries of the film aren't bothersome. In Prometheus, there are just as many mysteries. None of them solved as in Alien, but the character motivations aren't logical. So it makes you... it. it feels like something's wrong with this movie, but that to pinpoint, that's exactly what's wrong with Prometheus. But I love the design. It feels like... It looked know, great. It but looked like, great. Yeah, like the there's tone. just so many things that I was like, why would you take your helmet off ever anywhere? Yes. You, you're a scientist. Come on, dipshit. Yeah, there, there are <laughs> microbes like that. that could get exactly. in there. It doesn't yeah, make... There might be oxygen, but you don't know what bacteria is on that planet. They were trying morons. to come up with some written excuse, like the writers solve a problem so I can take their helmets off because shooting with their helmets on for you know a month is going to be hell on right. the actors. I say, you know, whatever. So, okay, I'm also avoiding <laughs> the quiz. The you quiz is fine. Good job. We'll get, we'll filibuster. Go that movie was Basquiat, by this, the way. Hey, I was inspired by uh, Ted uh, Cruz. I'm just going <laughs> to filibuster my way out of this. Do you, uh, let me read you for celebrities' poop. <laughs> Oprah makes a big poop. <laughs> Justin last... Bieber makes a small poop. Oh, you can run, but you this can't is, hide. Uh, just to, just to uh, tie it in. Vanessa has a different quiz. It's a callback. Not even a quiz. It's fun. And the last one was going to be Safe Men. But go for it. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, so what's the answer to that? Because I had uh, Basquiat was the last Basquiat. One, which uh, is a great film. Yes. I all like of these one. are great films. David Bowie is all... Andy Warhol. It's awesome. And it's in, it's in all these are from the 90s, and I should know all these. And yeah. No, they're a long time ago. Yeah. So there you go. A lot of life post, has happened. Post my having children. <laughs> so there you are. Hi, right, Vanessa. Uh, have you ever met an Olsen twin? Ever met an Olsen mm-hmm. twin? Or been 
tangentially involved. I have not. Oh, you what? lit up, and I I lit up like I got, I, yeah, no, never happened to me. No, I've had other strange. Cele- I mean, if you live in Los Angeles, you will run into celebrities at Ralph's or Trader Joe's or whatnot. But I, it's always very mundane. Never an Olsen. Never an Olsen. Ugh. Why has that happened to you? No, God, no. And you, if it happened, wow. I wouldn't ask anyone else because I'd have my it own experience to thrive on. Let's get him on this thing and it'll be done. <sighs> okay, next question. Um, is there any show in history, TV show, that you think the finale would have been strengthened by making the lead character resurface as a lumberjack? Ooh, that is a first of all amazing question. Thank you. I, I think it's great that it, you know. I feel like we were we were we were just we were definitely in tune with everything. We're vibing. And, yeah, and, it was uh, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Um, gosh, maybe uh, a lumberjack. Oh God, there's a bunch of them. That's a great. I was trying to think through every show that it's like, could that have worked ever? The answer is Frasier. <laughs> Actually, that is the answer. Frasier could have worked that way. Frasier or Cheers. I could see Ted dancing oh, going Ted. up. Oh, Ted. Oh, my yeah, God. Going, becoming a lumberjack. Yeah. Like, there are better... If that was an ending that someone had clearly created with a Mad Lib, like, it just would have been better for 10 other shows, yep. but not Dexter. Yep. It just... It didn't seem like an ending. It did seem more like, well, there are all these unresolved things. Seinfeld. It seemed like a yeah. Seinfeld thing. was a dissatisfying, another dissatisfying. Well, that's the deal with all these trees. <laughs> yeah, that'd have been great. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a place to go with it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Good no. questions. Thank you. Uh, congratulations! You've been chosen to cast a new Batman movie, but the catch is you can only cast it with people you've pod crashed with. Oh, that's awesome! Wow. Okay. Cool. People that have, well, let's see. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> who would be Batman? I don't know. I think I, I, that's that's a good that's a good question. Um, I'm gonna say Zane Lamprey would make a great Batman. Whoa! Zane Lamprey would be amazing. Uh, I mean, he seems like an okay choice. Yeah, <laughs> Zane Lamprey. He could do. He could do that voice. He can do that. And plus, he's got the. He could come. He's got the beard. He could shave it. Zane would be a great Batman. Um, Cole, I think you're Commissioner Gordon. <gasps> oh my Sweet. God! Congratulations, Cole. <laughs> and I did it, Commissioner yes. Gordon. And then and uh, Vanessa, you're Barbara Gordon. Oh. Or can I just say Batgirl? Hey-o. Yeah, yeah. So wow, Zane yeah. Just got a I think lot that, better. Yeah, I think oh, that. Bro. I think that's our cast. Would you and, put yourself uh, in it? Uh, no, I wouldn't put myself in it. I, I wouldn't. Uh, no, I, I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that to myself. But um, yeah, wow, that's good. What a These are good questions. This one may break your confidence in me. Um, so you've angered a wizard, and you are forced to choose between two punishments. Either you make the choice to erase Doctor Who from ever have happening. It's which just season? Gone. All of Doctor Oh, okay, Home. okay. This is going to be tough. The entirety. Or, instead of growing any body hair, including your beautiful head hair, you only grow skin tags from your hair holes. <laughs> what? Yeah. The wizard is fucked up. <laughs> this is a weird wizard. I got I to gotta get rid of Doctor Who. I'm sorry. I'm going to be selfish, and I'm going to say, let's get rid of Doctor Who. Although, it is one of those things where it's like Doctor Who is this cool thing that like, yeah, you know, if you're a nerd, like you... You know, you know about Doctor Who, but now it's like everybody loves Doctor Who. It's it makes me not want. It's like 
I don't know. There's something to that that is sort of assholey in me, but like there is, I do like having like this thing that like it's this club of people yep. are connected by this thing that not everybody loves. Yeah. So I almost feel like I almost feel like in a way like like uh, like I, I I miss that you know being fringe. Now nerd culture is mainstream. And, um, I miss it being like this, like, you got to know a guy, you know, like you got to really be, you're, you're connected so by the small exciting. group. And yeah, yeah, it's kind of magical to be like, we really get this and we really connect instead of it becomes like a very, it's a mainstream thing. And you're yeah. looking at Twitter on a Sunday and it's the, or Saturday and you're, it's filled with doc- yeah. your whole feed is all doctor people flipping out over doctor who, or who's in the new doctor who, and just like, I don't know. I, I'm a David Tennant guy too, so I feel like that's David Tennant. That's when it started to like blow up, just crazy in the U.S. So, but you yeah. don't want to have a head full of skin tags. No, don't. <laughs> so going Doctor Who dead. Who head full of skin tags? The Chris yeah. Gore story. Yeah. Um, okay. I heard you're working on a follow-up picture book to Celebrity's Poop that's even more graphic and shocking. Oh, I can tell you exactly what that's called. Yes, please. I already have a theme song for it. (gasps) I'm so excited. Can I I tell you? Yeah. Because Celebrity's Poop does have a theme song. Like if you if the album actually has um, it opens with a theme song, Celebrities Poop, which is a childlike. You could you could you know you could play a little bit of it now. You could play a little bit of Celebrities Poop. Insert yeah, if you want. But but I'm working on a second uh, uh, album, which uh, it, which will be either a Tumblr or a picture book. And it's uh, here. Here I'll I'll play it for you. I'll play you some of it right now. This is this is an exclusive. Oh my god. This gosh. is an exclusive. We just cracked a story. Here you go. Girls eating hot dogs at 2 a.m. Yeah, girls eating hot dogs at 2 a.m. What's that to love? Eating hot dogs at 2 a.m. So, my follow up is going to be um, I'm interviewing drunk girls at 2 a.m. as they get out of the bar, punchy drunk, stumbling like Bambi on their stiletto oh, heels in gosh. Hollywood. They're going for the bacon wrapped with, with uh, <laughs> the, 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 the fried onions and the, and the mayo and whatnot. And I'm going to be interviewing them. And that's part of the album is me talking to drunk girls. And it's girls eating hot dogs at 2 a.m. Oh awesome. my gosh! Is That's, this real? Yeah, it's real. So this you just heard delightful. the theme song. Oh my gosh! So, I'm so excited. Yeah, and so yeah, I do like the. the, the I, awesome. I'm sort of looking at it as like the 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 stand up that I'm doing is like concept albums. I yeah. think that that's like there's a, there's a there's a thread that runs through celebrities poop. I think, um, and also being like a book and an album. Um, thing um makes a great gift there you go uh so same thing with uh, girls eating hot dogs i just did the the photo shoot for the cover of the album and um i it's gonna be weird it'll come out sometime in 2014 oh my gosh that's so exciting look forward to that so yeah yeah well, thanks, Chris. You made it all the way through. You did Thank it. you. Did Thank it. You. Uh, thanks so people, much for they on. can follow you on Twitter at that, that Chris Gore. Uh, you got a Tumblr as well. Yes. And uh, obviously, they can pick up the book slash album. You get a download of uh, your stand-up yeah. as well. Uh, Celebritiespoop.com. There you, you go. go. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well. I'm at Cole Stratton. I'm at Vanessa Ragland. The podcast is at PMC Podcast. Wow. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for being here, Chris. Thank you. Boom. Whee! Subscribe to the Pop My Culture podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at Pop
PMCPodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at PMCPodcast. Thanks for listening.